0: Sweet strawberry icing. You're in Goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah, that's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill. Bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Here's something to think about.
1: You know, it's become cliche to say, wow, things have really changed over the last year, huh? Well, many things hopefully will get back to normal, but some other things may have changed permanently and that may not be all bad. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us on American Viewpoints. When it comes to education, some people are lamenting the fact that the kids have to learn from home and they can't go to school. Of course, in a lot of areas, kids aren't in classrooms or online either way. Others are happy that their kids are going back to the classroom. For others, it's a mixture. There's just not one size fits all when it comes to education. But again, maybe that's not a bad thing. I'm joined now by Dr. Mike McShane. He's the Director of National Research at EdChoice. And Mike, first of all, thanks for being back on the program. Secondly, your latest book, Hybrid Homeschooling, A Guide to the Future of Education. Two words jump out at me there, hybrid and future. How'd you come up with the concept of the book? Well, it's actually
0: funny. I started writing this book before the pandemic started. Um, I was made aware of some of these schools all across the country that use this part-time enrollment model, and the folks that I talked to, at least initially, really liked it. The teachers liked it, the families liked it, and when I started writing this book, it was kind of a niche topic. You know, a couple hundred of these schools spread throughout the country. I thought it had some interesting insights for the education system, and then the coronavirus hits, and suddenly millions, if not tens of millions of kids are in some kind of hybrid environment. And uh, so very, very quickly, all of America kind of got this idea of part-time schooling. Now, I think it's important to note that the schools that I profile are different, right? Because rather than a pandemic hits, we have to you know, socially distance. So we're going to sort of build this plane as we fly it. These are schools that started from the ground up; like they designed themselves to operate this way. So, I think a lot of the pain and friction and you know uh, unhappiness that went along with the types of hybrid school hybrid schooling that schools did are not quite as present in these schools because they, they they were built this way as opposed to having to scramble to do it.
1: Well, when you look at it, I'm going to focus now on the future part of the uh, subtitle of your book. There, have we sort of been forced? into something that was needed in the first place, forced into a reform, or at least forced into a conversation about how things should change in education with the last year or so
0: for sure and again when you know it's kind of a cheeky subtitle right a guide to the future of education and when i was talking about the future of education what i really meant was the types of questions that hybrid homeschooling causes us to ask about education schools even with the traditional school schedule and school calendar should be asking those questions and then the pandemic exactly to your point caused us to ask those questions so it's questions like how do schools use time like Schools have a limited amount of time with kids. How can they maximize that time? How can they get the most out of it? Are schools doing that currently? Is it like administrivia and disruption and all of these things that are preventing them from maximizing that amount of time that they have? They're asking questions like, how do schools partner with families better? You know, How can we get everybody working together to achieve shared goals? And then how do schools build community? Like, How do they find ways to foster this kind of positive learning environment on the part of the teachers, of the students, and of the family? So again, even if in the fall things go back to quote unquote normal or a large number of schools go back to normal, these types of questions that the pandemic has caused us to ask... Um, and that hybrid homeschooling causes us to ask should really guide our thinking in the future. And and as you're saying, sort of force us to wrestle with maybe some of these difficult things and come up with some, some difficult answers, right? Like maybe we aren't getting the most bang for our buck. Maybe we're not getting the most out of the time that we spend um, in schools with kids.
1: Let me back up just about a half a step. You've mentioned hybrid homeschooling. How is that different from homeschooling?
0: So homeschooling, if we think about the traditional definition, it is funded, located, and controlled by parents, right? So it's funded by parents, it is located in in their homes, and it is controlled by parents. And if we think of like a traditional public school, it's sort of the opposite. So a hybrid school is somewhere in the middle there, right? So it's partially like part-time located at home it's part partly controlled by parents it's like part controlled by parents and part controlled by educators at school and then it's some mix of funding some of these schools are entirely funded by parents some of these are public schools um but yeah so it's a mix between the easiest way to think of it is it's just part-time schooling the the kind of the, a lot of schools that i profile in the book go to school uh, in a traditional schooling building two or three days a week and are the kids are schooled at home for the other two or three days a week
1: We're visiting with uh, Dr. Mike McShane, the Director of National Research at EdChoice. So how do we ensure that there's quality education happening and that kids are actually learning? Because anytime there's a change or a reform proposed, one, change is scary. And two, there's a lot of pushback from teachers unions and a lot of activists and some politicians. So how how do we answer that question up front? Will kids learn and will they learn better than they are right now in whatever setting they're in?
0: Yeah, so I devote actually a chapter in the book to the research that we have on just homeschooling normally, or I kind of tell the history of homeschooling and this iteration of it, look in some of the research. And I can tell you the research that we have on homeschooling Generally, trends positively. it's sort of it seems to me the worst case that can be made about homeschooling is that kids perform about the same as traditional public school students or traditional school students. So I think that a lot of the fears that people have around homeschooling um, are kind of overblown and they're not they don't show up in the data that we if We track kids who are homeschooled later on in life. They're you know, employed at the same rates. They're, they went to college at the same rates. All of those things are similar. Now, I do think that hybrid homeschooling does offer a kind of an, an additional layer for folks that might be more concerned about families that just homeschool and they go kind of off the educational grid. Um, these schools do bring kids in a few days a week. So I know there have been concerns around things like child abuse or neglect or any of those. Well, If kids are coming in two days a week, that's an opportunity to check up on that. Uh, And so I think for many people who might be kind of, they're not comfortable with full on homeschooling, either for themselves or in their community or others, this is a way to kind of dip your toe in to kind of get a little bit of an experience of that and ideally get the best of both worlds. So families have the opportunity to get the best out of homeschooling, which is like tight knit family, a schedule that fits the rhythms of your life, all of that, and get the best of traditional schooling where you have kids able to interact with one another, able to do things like put on plays and play sports and all of that sort of stuff and have, have the kind of classroom environment to discuss literature, or do any of that sort of stuff. So in some ways, I hope hybrid homeschooling allays some of those fears. And if you
1: kind of flip the question, it's like, well, look, this is actually a way to get the best of both worlds. And the book, once again, is called Hybrid Homeschooling, a Guide to the Future of Education. Are there any, I know every state's going to be very, very different, so this is a very broad question, but are there generally any laws or state policies that would have to be revisited and changed in order to either allow this or implement it uh, on a large scale? Yeah, absolutely. So for this to work in the public schooling sector, and I I should be clear in this book,
0: I profile traditional public schools, public charter schools and private schools that do this. This isn't like a one sector or, or another. In order for this to work in public schools, you have to have you have to move away from seat time as your determinant of whether a kid has passed a grade or not. So in many states across the country, you pass, quote unquote, pass eighth grade because you sat in a seat for enough instructional hours in a year. Schools need to more or school systems need to move to what's generally called like a competency based framework. So you have to have kids demonstrate that they know what they're supposed to know in eighth grade as opposed to sitting for a certain number of times because these schools don't have kids sit for that number of uh, that number of instructional hours. I think another piece of this, if we want to see it in the public charter sector, and the private sector, more funding flexibility. So a lot of these schools now that are private, you know, parents have to pay for them uh, on their own. The upside to that is they tend to be a lot cheaper because obviously they're only going for part of the time, but things like school vouchers or tax credit savings accounts uh, or um, education, I'm sorry, tax credit scholarships or education savings accounts, all of those things can actually help families defray the cost of this. So more and more families would be able
1: to participate. All right. Now, where do we uh, find the book right now?
0: I think it's your uh, friendly neighborhood online bookseller. Uh, just Google that and uh, and you should be able to find
1: it somewhere. All right. And we can find you on social media web where?
0: Yeah, I'm at Twitter at MQ underscore McShane. But you can always check out EdChoice's website, www.edchoice.org. Got tons of great information about school choice. All right, Dr.
1: McShane, good to have you back on the program. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, and it's great to be back with you, Mike.
1: And of course, you can connect with me on social media as well. If you're on Twitter, it's at AVP Radio Show. If you're on Facebook, just look up American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. I am Mike Ferguson. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us here at American Viewpoints. We'll talk to you again next week.
0: Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing.